As you can tell this morning, we're in Romans. If you want to turn in Romans, turn to Romans chapter 6. We read the verse earlier today. I'm going to add just a little bit of context to it, but, uh, but we're going to be in the book of Romans this morning. And we're going to look at this as we have been all along. We're going to look first at its context, then we're going to look at the so what. So what does it say about God? So what does it say about me? And so what do I need to do now that I know this about God and myself? Then we're going to look phrase by phrase. And then we're going to see the comfort and the challenge that the passage presents. So we're going to do this as we have been doing all year. I'm trying to build some study habits into you for your your morning devotional time. And we're going to talk today about death and life and about wages and gifts. And we're going to see this contrast through the, the scriptures that we're going to read this morning. So we, uh, and, and as I said, you've read it already uh, earlier in the service. We read about the wages of sin and the gift of God. And, and so we, see, we, we have these, these terms, death and life and wages and, and gift. And, and so as we look phrase by phrase, we're going to need to look at what, look into those words just a little bit. Because it's, under, it, it, it's important for our understanding of the verse to understand these words. So let's read just Romans chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 22 and 23. But now, since you have been set free from sin and have become enslaved to God, you have your fruit which results in sanctification, and the outcome is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So let's look first at the context. Now the larger context here is Paul's letter to the Roman church. Now this is such a well-laid-out logical argument that it's still used in some law schools today as a way to build an argument because it is just set perfectly logically. It, is, it, it says, and what, it does, what Paul does in this letter is he says, this is true and therefore... This is true, and and therefore, this is true. He just builds truth upon truth. So, it's a very well laid out logical argument. Now, Romans is probably the, it's the longest of Paul's epistles, longest of the, the letters that Paul writes, and it's probably the most complete uh, um, uh, laying out or, or uh, description of the gospel of Jesus Christ as Paul understands it. In other words, it talks about what Christ, who Christ is, what Christ has done, what that does for us, and then what that should make us live like. I mean, it's all right here in the, in the, in the letter to the Romans. And so it's a very well laid out logical argument. Now, the, uh, many through history, Augustine, Martin Luther, John Wesley, have, have looked at this and really have built their theology around this. The, the, the entire Reformation movement began with a verse in Romans. So, so these, these uh, fathers of the church, these, these great spiritual men, have seen this and have, have really studied and, and laid the foundation of their theology, what they believe about Christ, based upon what Romans says. So it's a, a great book to study. Now, in the immediate context here, we're at one of my favorite topics, and that is new life in Christ. 
We have new life in Christ. We leave behind our old life. We have new life in Christ. And that's really where he's at when we see these verses. When we read that we have, we have been made free, then when we read that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, we read this in the context of new life in Christ. So what does verse 22 and 23 say about God? What does it set out about God? First of all, it says that God is the giver of eternal life. He is the giver of eternal life. I want you to notice that it's a gift from God. It is not earned. Wages are earned, gifts are received. And so notice the difference between the wages of sin and the gift of God. God is the giver of eternal life. And notice here that God gives us the choice. God gives us the choice. He does not force himself upon us. He does not say you must choose. All the way back in in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, he says, I place before you death and life, blessing and curse. Choose life. So even in the New Testament, this is not a new concept. All the way back, it's always been choose God or choose against God. Choose life or you're choosing death. It's always been a choice God gives us to make. And we, and we have that choice given to us right here. It also says that God is the decider of right and wrong. He's the decider of sin and righteousness. Now, this is both good news and bad news. It's good news because that means we don't have to, right? We don't have to choose what's right and wrong. It's chosen for us. We find it here. Now, that's also the bad news, because this is where we want to be God. This is where we have the greatest problem. We want to choose what's right and wrong for us. We want to make these decisions. Our society, you can see it in our society, you can see in our culture that our culture wants to say, this is not sin because it's just everybody does it. Our culture is built on the human nature. And the human nature says, if I want to do it, then I'm going to figure out a way for it not to be sin. Here's the problem with that. God is the decider of sin and righteousness. God is the decider of what's right and what's wrong. This isn't a decision we have to make. It's only a decision we have to find. Uh, I've said many times, uh, our culture has, has figured has somehow decided that life is about the pursuit of truth. It's not. Life is about about bending your will to truth. Life is about understanding truth and then forming your life around it. It isn't about finding your truth. There is truth. It's right here. We have to then form our lives around that truth. That's what life's actually about. God has decided right and wrong already. He is also, and and this verse also tells us, or this passage also tells us that Christ sets us free from sin. He sets us free. We do not have to be under the power of sin. If sin has has power in our life, it's because we've given it 
we have not claimed the power we have in Christ in that area of our life. And so if there's, there's sin that has power over you, this is good news. Because Christ has set us free from sin. We just need to quit empowering sin in our life. So what does it say about us? It says we have eternal life in Christ. Now, this, this verse makes this very plain. Uh, 1 John 5.12 makes it very plain. That we've been studying 1 John on Wednesday nights. And, and 1 John 5.12 says, The one who has the Son has life. The one who does not have the Son of God does not have life. It's really that simple. Now, once again, we like the gray area, right? We, we kind of like to say, well, I'm, 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 I'm not against God. I'm just not pro-God. You don't get that choice. <laughs> this says, these, this passage says, you are under the power of sin or you are under the power of God. You are under the power of, of death or you are under the power of life. You get the choice. But that's the only choices. There isn't half dead <laughs> or, or half sin. There is sin and death, and there is life and Christ. We get to make the choice, but, it, but we have eternal life if we choose Christ. And as I said before, we are set free. We are set free from sin. If sin has power in our life, it's because we have empowered it. we got to quit thinking about the sin and start thinking about Christ who gives us power over sin. He's the power. We don't need to give sin power. Sin has the power of death. Christ has the power of life. We quit thinking about the sin. We start focusing upon Christ and life. And then we, are, we have overcome sin. We have overcome sin. So what do we need to do? Well, I think it's pretty simple. We need to choose Christ we need to choose Christ and life. And if you have done that at some point in your life, then we have to apply that decision to everything we do from here on. We may, you may have years ago or months ago or weeks ago decided to, to follow Christ, this chosen life. But we have to then apply that decision to every, every day of our life, sometimes several times a day in our life. We have to apply that decision to every thought, every action, every reaction, everything we do, every decision we make. We have to apply, I am Christ's. I am about Christ and life, not sin and death. That changes everything if we just apply this decision to our everyday you, every thought, every action, every reaction, every decision guided by the fact that Christ and life are who I'm for. So let's look at this phrase by phrase. For the wages of sin is death. Now think about the term wages. Wages are not paid just at the end of something. They are paid along the way, right? Most of us who, who still work, we get paid on certain days. A uh, couple times a month, however you get paid, you get paid your wages. 
That's exactly how sin pays. Sin pays out death a little at a time. Because as we sin, as we get locked in on a sin, we die a little more each time. We, we get a little more numb to what God has to say. We get a little more calloused to, to what God wants us to do. We die a little bit more. Sin pays out wages of death. It's not something that waits to the end of life. We die a little more every time we sin. Every time we choose sin over Christ. Every time we, cho- we are choosing death over life. And that death is a slow death. It decays us. It destroys our bodies. It destroys our minds. It destroys our emotions. And it destroys our spirit. To where we can no longer hear God anymore. We have to keep applying the choice of Christ in life. But the gift of God is eternal life. Now, I'll point out again. We earn death. We earn wages. The gift of God is eternal life. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. This is, uh, once again, where we tend to be as human beings. You know, something close to 70% of the belief systems in the world are about working your way to heaven. It's because that's what we want to do. This says it's a gift of God. It's given. All we do is accept. So we can either accept the wages of death or we can accept the gift of eternal life. We get the choice, but we have to choose. You know, I said death slowly happens to us as we choose sin. Life slowly happens to us also. Jesus gives us eternal life at the moment that we come to him. And so that life begins to burn itself, it burn in our, in our spirit. It begins to move us. It begins to shape who we are. It begins to shape what we do. That life doesn't wait to the end either. Death happens a little at a time. Life happens a little at a time. The closer we are to Christ, the greater that life becomes in us. The closer we are to sin, the greater that death becomes in us. Neither one of these wait to the end. We get them both at the point. You know, uh, Hebrews 6.19 is one of my favorite verses because it, it talks about us being anchored in heaven, behind the veil, in Christ. That's where we're anchored. So think about the difference between sin and being anchored in Christ. Sin weighs us down and holds us back. But Christ, in Christ, we are anchored in heaven, forward and up. So we are drawn forward and up in Christ. We are pulled, weighed down, backward and down with sin. It's our choice. You get the choice. I get the choice. We choose Death and sin, or we choose life and Christ. And the last phrase, in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is an exclusive promise. 
This eternal life is not given to everyone. It is given to those who are in Jesus Christ. And only in those who are in Jesus Christ. That's not my rule. That's what it says. We have to be in Christ. We have to know Christ in order to have this eternal life. You know, I think he he says Christ Jesus our Lord because he's talking about being a slave. Either a slave to righteousness, to God, to Christ, or a slave to sin and death. So I think he he puts the the idea of this is our Lord. Every, Every slave has a master. Now, I know what you're thinking. I'm not a slave to nothing. But you are. We are, as human beings, we are slaves to sin or to to Christ. We're slaves to one or the other. We will serve sin and ourselves and death, or we will serve Christ and life. But you will serve somebody. You will serve something. It's who we are. It's who God made us to be. Spurgeon, uh, Spurgeon said that, that evil must be punished or our society falls apart. And I think he's right. I think he's right. I think evil must have a punishment to it or, or how do relationships work at all? There must be a downside to evil. This verse, this passage tells us the downside of evil is death. And it is ours to choose. Will you choose death and sin and evil? Or will you choose Christ and life and righteousness? It is our choice. It's laid out for us as our choice. So what's the comfort and challenge of this passage? The comfort, it's a comfort that God has decided right and wrong. Because it takes a lot of weight off of us. Be honest. It, 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 if you think about it, now I know this is also where we struggle the most, but knowing that there's a place I can go to know what's right in, in my situation, that's a comfort. It's a comfort to know God has decided. It's a comfort to know that I have eternal life in Christ and that that life doesn't wait until I'm dead. It is now. It begins now and it, it is filling me. And it is filling you. That's a comfort. It's a comfort to know that we have the choice. God does not force himself upon us. We have the choice of sin and death, or we have the choice of Christ and life. Make the right choice. And that's, and that's the challenge of this. Make the right choice. Choose Christ and life, and then apply that choice to your everyday living. Apply it to every decision you make. Apply it to every action you take, every reaction, every decision, every thought. Apply it to everything you do. I have chosen life and Christ. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads because this is the question that the passage presents. Will you choose Christ and life. Will you, will you choose Christ and life over sin and death?
If you need to make that choice this morning, it's a simple prayer. A simple prayer begins a whole new life. It's a, it's a prayer that goes something like this. First, we acknowledge that, that we have sin before God. God, I know that I have sin in my life. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. I've done things wrong. I know the Bible calls that sin. But I'm going to trust that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for my sin. So I'm going to trust that I have life in him. Forgive me and give me this life. If you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, you need to let somebody know. Elbow your neighbor and let them know. Come and let me know that you chose Christ and life this morning. Maybe you know Christ, but as you look over the last week or two weeks or a month, you realize that you have been applying the choice of sin and death instead of the choice of Christ and life. Will you take a moment right now to recommit to choosing Christ and life and recommit to applying that to every area of your life? Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you, Father, for the for this simple choice of life or death, of sin or Christ, of blessing or curse. You lay this before us and we thank you for it. Help us, empower us as we choose Christ in life, empower us to apply that choice to everything we do. For it's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. This is Pastor Jim from Porter Mountain Fellowship. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. These are sermons from our 10.30 a.m. service on Sundays. If you're in the neighborhood, stop by. We're on the corner of Porter Mountain Road and Commerce Drive in beautiful Lakeside, Arizona.